so as some of you may or may not know, my wife, we travel full-time across the nation, uh, literally preaching the gospel to reach the next generation. And one of the privileges we have is we get to meet like-minded leaders who carry that same call and burden to literally see the next generation of Jesus. Anybody excited when the next generation gets to know about Jesus, gets to come to Jesus? It's what it's about. It's, it's why we do what we do. And so here's the deal. I got to go um, to Israel for about 10 days with my friend who's here this morning to come to preach to you today. And his name is Noah Heron. And his wife, Maddie, is here as well. And uh, right when we met in Israel, I could tell um, there was something special and unique on Noah and Maddie's ministry and on their life. And uh, this is a couple who is passionate about the next generation. If you love dad jokes, you need to follow Noah Heron, okay? If you love watching a husband make his wife feel awkward with how bad the joke was, you need to follow Maddie Heron, okay? These are two young, a young couple, two individuals who are humble. They love Jesus with all of their hearts, and they are passionate about the next generation. I am so happy that Zoe Church gets to welcome our good friends from Atlanta, Georgia, show them what Minnesota is like. Can we give a warm welcome for Pastor Noah Heron as he comes? Have fun, man. Just have fun. Be you. Wow. Hey, if you love Jesus this morning, can you make some noise? Come on, let me hear you. Man, what an amazing... Amazing crowd. You guys look amazing. Say, you look good. Wow, you guys are so nice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Such an honor to be here with you at Zoe Church. Um, it really feels like family. We got to spend some time with your pastors, Pastor Greg and Amber Lenz. Aren't you thankful for your pastors? Wow. Special, special people. Um, we've been hearing about them for literally months and months from Micah and Stephanie. And uh, just from the moment we got to meet in person finally, you could just tell that there is a special humility in their hearts. Um, in a world where leaders are often seeking to be seen, they are truly seeking to, to serve. And um, that inspires me. I, I could tell they were the most humble people in the room and it convicted me. Um, and so I just think it would be appropriate right now for us to thank our leaders one time. If you love the lenses, if you love the vision that they have for this house, the way that they're obeying what God is asking them to do, thank you so much. This is an honor to be with you. Um, it's really special. That was, uh, that was one of the most meaningful moments of my ministry life, having Pastor Micah introduce me. Um, it's hard not to get emotional uh, about how much Micah and Steph mean to us. Um, they've truly become like a big brother and sister in our lives. We look at them as, as mentors. They quite literally have given us the shirt off of their back. I wore Micah's clothes the past 48 hours. So uh, I've never met two people who um, are more intentional than, than Micah and Stephanie. And um, to be at their church, the church that they are proud to call home, the church that they serve at, and the church that they invest their time and energy into. Um, it's such an honor. Are you thankful for the Max? Come on. Come on. Hey, let's jump straight into God's Word. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn it on. And um... <laughs> let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And uh, as you're turning there, I'd love to introduce you to my family really 
briefly. Uh, my name's Noah. I'm 26 years old. We live in Atlanta, Georgia. And for the past two and a half years, I've had the honor and the privilege to be married to Madison Heron, who is sitting right up here on the front row. And she is the most like Christ person that I have ever met. Uh, she loves people better than I could ever hope to love people. And if you've ever seen the movie Sweet Home Alabama, you have met my wife. Um, she is from Alabama. She speaks with a sweet southern draw that only intensifies the more that uh, Alabama is losing in football. So that doesn't happen often, but when it does, I get really excited. One, because I don't like Alabama football, and I do love her accent. So... It's, uh, it's amazing. We've been married for two and a half years or so, and um, next time we come to Minnesota to hang out, we're going to have to get an extra plane ticket because she is carrying our first child right now. And um, she's 32 weeks pregnant today with a baby boy. And so, uh, man, we are getting close. We are excited, and we are terrified in Jesus' name. But um, we told our family that we were pregnant, you know, several months ago, and everyone was so excited except for one person. We have one family member. He was not excited. He was like, you did not tell me this was going to happen. What is, what is going on? There's another one coming? We're like, he's got less fur, hopefully. <laughs> but... Um, that's our family, and uh, we get to serve a church called Neighborhood Church in Atlanta, Georgia, where my dad is the lead pastor. It's such an honor to serve under he and my mom, and um, we are also kind of like the staff evangelists, so we teach about one Sunday a month at our church, and then we travel and preach the gospel to young people, and um, had the honor to be with your young people on Wednesday night, and let me tell you, there are some world changers in that group right there. Um, it is amazing what God is doing at your church. I heard a quote that said that if, if a church doesn't care about the future of the church, they won't have a future. I came to tell you, your church has a future. It is better than anything we've seen before, and I'm excited because I believe that the youth services that are happening on Wednesday night are going to have to move into this building soon because of what God is doing in their life. And so really, really cool to see. Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse Eight. This is my favorite scripture in all of the Bible. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. It says, but Noah was different. God liked what he saw in Noah. <laughs> my name's Noah. <laughs> I'm not preaching from this. I just wanted you to see my favorite scripture. Genesis chapter 6. A couple verses later, verse 18. Here we go. Here we go. But I'm going to establish a covenant with you. You'll board the ship and your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives will come on board with you. You are also to take two of each of every living creature, a male and a female, on board the ship to preserve their lives with you. Two of every species of bird, mammal, and reptile, two of everything, so as to preserve their lives along with yours. Also, get all the food that you'll need and store it up for you and for them. Verse 22, this is my favorite verse in the passage. It says, Noah did everything that God commanded him to do. Noah did everything that God commanded him to do. What a legacy it would be to get to the end of your life and people say, man, they did everything that God commanded him to do. I cannot think of something that could be said of my life that would be better, that would be, be more exciting than for people to say, man, they did everything that God commanded 
them to do. I'm excited to preach. I'm excited to, to dive into this this morning. Um, I, I come from a, a Pentecostal background, and so um, you can say amen. You can say hallelujah. You can take notes. You can say preacher white boy. I won't be offended. Uh, whatever you want to say. And uh, if you hear something you don't like, email me at hunter at zchurch.org. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for these moments. We don't take them for granted. We thank you for your presence that has already met us here today so sweetly. We ask that you would speak to us through your word. God, we didn't come here uh, for a great worship team. We didn't come here to hear a speaker. We came here to have an encounter with you. And so we ask that you would speak to us right now. God, we love you. We thank you so much for Chick-fil-A. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Um, I love showing photos of my family uh, at the beginning of messages for two reasons. Number one, uh, statistics say that you'll listen to me longer if I show you a photo of my family. Uh, Number two, we are truly living in a highlight season of life right now. Um, Like things are going really, really good right now. Like we've we've got the baby bump, but we're not paying for diapers yet. You know what I mean? Like, like, like we're decorating a nursery, uh, but the nursery doesn't stink right now. You know, it's like, it's like an amazing, amazing season. Like things are going well. We, we recently moved into a new house and, and we just, it's one of those seasons. It really is. They're, they're not all like this, but it's one of those seasons. It, it feels like a, a highlight season right now. We're, we're leaning into it. We're enjoying it. But um, a couple months ago, at the beginning of this highlight season, we had a day where uh, it wasn't such a great day. Um, and it started by Maddie asking me if I would go to Home Depot. Uh, now, I don't know, there's probably many of the men in this room, if someone said, hey, will you go to Home Depot, you would get excited. Or uh, maybe you would just not think much of it. Um, you grew up in a home where your dad used tools and taught you how to use tools. Okay, I grew up in a home where we had zero tools, where my dad didn't build tables, he built sermons. So um, when someone asked me to go to Home Depot, I turn on oceans because I need God to go with me out on the waters. But Maddie, we move into our new home. There's no blinds on the windows. This is like the ultimate, like, no batteries included situation. Like, you buy a home with no blinds. I don't understand. And so Maddie's like, hey, will you go to Home Depot and get some blinds? I'm like, yeah, no problem. But immediately, like, my blood pressure starts to rise, right? So I walk into Home Depot, and I'm greeted by a smiling man with an orange apron on. And he says, hey, uh, do you need any help? And uh, I have never needed more help in my entire life. So naturally, I said, I'm good. (laughs) I'm fine. Uh, Rule number one, you never ask for help in Home Depot. All the guys know this, even if you haven't spent much time there. So I'm walking through Home Depot. About 37 minutes later, I find the blinds. I'm going through the measurements. I'm putting them in the cart. And another Home Depot worker comes into my aisle. And he says, hey, is there anything I can help you with? I see that you're buying blinds. I'm like, yes, I am. I'm putting them up in our house because that's what the guys do. We do this. And he's like, I I guess he could just like tell that I was nervous um, because he started to like try to comfort me. And one of the things that he said, this is totally a true story. Maddie was standing in Home Depot with me. He said, hey, man. Don't stress about it. You've got this. He said, we literally have grandmothers who come into Home Depot, buy blinds, and put them up themselves. If they can do it, you can do it too. 
Okay, when I say that five and a half hours, our home looked like a battlefield, screws are falling from the sky, I'm bleeding, Maddie's making fun of me because only one blind is up and it's crooked, I'm like, I was called to preach, not to put up blinds, like this is like a catastrophe moment. If you're a grandmother in this room today, we just want to applaud you if you put up your own blinds because that is hard, it's difficult, it's difficult. Hard seasons are inevitable. Hard days are inevitable. What I love about the story of Noah is on the surface, it seems really easy. On the surface, it's this cute little story we tell in Zoe Kids. It's, it's this cute little story that we talk about with our babies. It's like, man, God told Noah to build a boat. He put two of every animal on it. Thank God he remembered the dogs. I wish he would have left the mosquitoes, right? But it's this cute little story, and and it's got like this bow on it. But, But when you really look at the story of Noah, you see that the story of Noah is a really difficult story. It's a very hard story. Um, Most biblical scholars believe that Noah built this ark for somewhere around 120 years. I cannot imagine doing anything for 120 years. It is hard for me to do something for 120 seconds without losing focus. Okay, like like beginning of the year, maybe you relate to this. January comes around every year. I'm like, I'm going to get ripped. I'm going to look like Zac Efron. I'm going to get my head in the game. I'm going to go to the gym. We're going to be doing bicep curls. I'm going to look so good when Maddie and I go on vacation this summer. And what happens? About three weeks pass, and I'm hitting snooze. I'm at Chick-fil-A drive-thru ordering a number one with a large sweet tea because because it's easy to be excited about something at the beginning. It's easy to be faithful when it's new. But God is not impressed by what we start. He's actually looking to see what we finish. He's not looking to see how excited we are at the beginning. He's looking to see if we will be faithful with what he's asked us to do. Will you build The boat. The story of Noah is a hard story because Noah had to be faithful for 120 years without any sign of seeing what God had asked him to do coming to pass. It's a hard story, but to Noah, he said, you know what, to me, to me, faithfulness is the goal. To me, faithfulness is the result that I am trying to reach. I want to get to the end of my life and God be able to look at me and say that I was faithful. I found an article in the New York Times a few years ago. It was written on um, millennials and Generation Z. That's um, my generation and the generation below me. And basically this article was um, talking about how many full-time jobs our generation would hold by the age of 30. And it said that between ages 18 and 30, our two generations would hold an average of 14 different full-time jobs. Somebody say, wow. And I read this and I was like, man, that seems like a lot. Like it seems like a lot. The article wasn't um, bashing our generation. It was just presenting facts, simply saying that uh, we are a generation that is all about the next opportunity. That if there's an opportunity that looks better, we'll take it. If there's an opportunity that pays better, we'll take it. If, if there's an opportunity that's going to elevate us, we'll, we'll take it. And, and that's fine and dandy from, from a world uh, perspective, a worldly perspective. But from a godly perspective, there's a huge problem with that. The problem is that God does not give opportunities. He gives assignments. 
And there's a huge difference between an opportunity and an assignment. An opportunity is all about elevating man. But an assignment is all about elevating God. An opportunity might be full of hype for a few moments, but your assignment will be full of purpose your entire life. An opportunity might be about building your kingdom or a company's kingdom or, or, or your boss's kingdom, but an assignment will be about building the kingdom of God. There's, there's this big difference between an opportunity and an assignment. And I wanted to come this morning and start this message off by saying, do not give up your God-given assignment for another main man opportunity. Today's not the day to do it. It's not the day to look at what your neighbor's doing and go, oh, that looks better. It's not the day to, to look at the success that your friend's having and go, oh, I'm going to give up. This must not be God because of how much success that, that they're having. Listen, faithfulness is not what I'm doing compared to what my neighbor is doing. Faithfulness is what I'm doing compared to what God's asked me to do. That's what faithfulness is. The reality is when we get to heaven one day, we're not going to hear God say, well done, my good and famous servant. We're not going to hear God say, well done, my good and successful servant. Well done, my good and rich servant. Well done, my good and you really had it all together, servant. We're either going to get to heaven and hear nothing or we're going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Faithfulness, faithfulness is our goal. Faithfulness should be what we wake up in the morning and say yes to. In the little and in the small. I love Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. This is what it says. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Why can we cling to this promise? Because even when we aren't faithful, God is faithful to his promises. So if we will just keep showing up to the thing that God's asked us to be a part of building, if we would just keep picking up the hammer and building the boat, we will win. We will see a harvest. It's promised in God's word. God himself has stamped the promise. It's signed, sealed, delivered. Right? It's, it's promised. Um, when I was about five years old, I played t-ball for the first time and um, a sign that you're not very good at t-ball at five years old is when your coach puts you in right field. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to a five-year-old t-ball game, but there's not many people that hit the ball into right field. And so I was in right field, um, and, and I was chasing butterflies most of the game, but I didn't care because uh, we would get free snow cones at the end of every t-ball game. And uh, that's all I cared about when I was five years old. Like, my coach would try to keep me engaged in the game. So he'd be like, hey, Noah, how many outs are there? I'd be like, grape. I want the grape one. I, I just cared about the snow cones. But after, like, five or six games, um, I started to complain to my parents. I was like, I don't want to play t-ball anymore. No one hits the ball to me. It's not fun. All my friends have fun, but I don't have fun. I'm complaining. And my parents are like, nope, you're going to play. My, my parents were like, if you start something, you're going to finish it. Any parents like that in the room, right? We paid $80 for that t-ball jersey. You're going to finish, right? So I'm out in right field. It's the last game of the season. Not a single ball has been hit to me all season. And finally, this little kid gets up there, and he gets this ground ball that rolls right by the first baseman and slowly rolls into shallow right field. And the crowd is going wild, right? All three of them, like my mom and her two friends, are going wild. And everyone looks into right field, and there was no right fielder. 
because the right fielder was in the snow cone line three outs early. It's a true story. I was eating a grape snow cone waving at my mom. And a couple of weeks ago, my mom uh, reminded, she reminded us of that story. And uh, it got me thinking, man, what a tragedy it would be for God to put you in a position, for God to ask you to do something, for God to, to, to put a calling on your life and for you to believe him in the moment that he called you, but for you to forget him the moment that he needed you to be there. For you to say, I'm going to be faithful at the beginning, but then give up on that faithful commitment the moment God wanted to do the very thing that he asked you to show up for. Could it be that today you're feeling like quitting and tomorrow you would see what you've been praying for? Could it be that today is the day, it's year 119 in the story of Noah, and you've been building, you've been building, you're tired and you're tempted to put the hammer down, but tomorrow God's going to show up. I believe that God is looking for some people to say, I'm going to build even when I can't see it. I'm going to show up even when I don't feel the excitement anymore. I'm going to keep praising God even when I don't see a sign of it coming to pass in my life because faithfulness is what I'm called to build. It's a faithful life I'm after. It's a faithful family I'm trying to build. It's a faithful marriage that I want. I love reading stories in the Bible and putting myself in the character's shoes. I'm a weirdo. My, my wife makes fun of me for this sometimes, but this is one of my favorite stories to do that. Can we just imagine for a second the dinner conversation that Noah had with his wife the day that he told her he was going to start building this boat? Let's just use our creative. This is not in the Bible. Okay, I'm just going to just creatively for one second. Like, I'll be Noah for a second. Hey, babe. I quit my job today. Really? What are you going to do? I'm going to build a boat. Okay, all right. Is it going to be like a fishing boat? Are you, are you going to catch fish and sell them at the market? Think more carnival cruise ship. <laughs> like, let's just imagine that went over well. Let's just imagine. What about year 10? Right? Uh, Noah's wife walks in the room. I, I cannot remember her name. I'm going to call her Sheila. Sheila walks in the room. Hey, babe. Still building that boat, huh? Um, we used to get invited to uh, the tea and crumpet parties with the neighbors. Now they're British. I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> we don't get invited anymore. They kind of think we're crazy. And Noah's just, no, 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 we, we got to keep building the boat. What about year 20, year 30, year 40? Something to keep in mind about the story of Noah is that nobody was celebrating his faithfulness. See, there's a lot of times where we feel like we're struggling, but at least we've got family who... They're praying for us. We've got friends. They're supporting us. We've got a church family at Zoe who's rooting us on, who's there for us in those moments. Noah didn't have that. At the very best, his family was there. But nobody was celebrating his faithfulness. And if you're somebody who needs people to celebrate your faithfulness, you will never end faithful. But if you're somebody who knows that you've already been celebrated by God, that you've been affirmed by God, you won't need the celebration of others to pick up the hammer and build the boat. 
you're 40, you're 50, you're 60. I can just hear the people in the neighborhood. Noah, you crazy old man. Your kids are grown. You've wasted your whole life for what? It's not raining. There's no other boats being built. Why are you doing this? And Noah said, I've just got to keep building the boat. I think about all the time what would have happened if Noah had stopped year 119. What would have happened? I love this quote from Albert Einstein. He said, it's not that I'm smarter than most people. He said, it's, I just tend to stick with problems longer than the person beside me. Maybe you're here, this is your first time at church. You're like, is this guy a boat salesman? Is he about to, is this an infomercial? This is what I know. I know every person in here is called to build a boat. That's the first thing I know. The second thing I know is the boat's much bigger than you think. Because God does not build mediocre boats. For you, maybe the boat that God's calling you to build is the boat of your marriage. It's easy to build that boat when you're two years in like we are. You know, things are still, still new and having our first kid. And it's, it's easy to have date night right now. I get it. We're not the ones to teach the marriage class. But, but maybe like you used to build that boat, but it's been a couple years Date night kind of disappeared. You know, praying together as a couple kind of disappeared. And maybe today God sent a scrawny kid from Atlanta to encourage you to pick back up the hammer and build the boat of your marriage. Maybe for you the boat God's calling you to build is this church. You've been attending Zoe, you're excited to be a part, but you haven't joined a team yet. Maybe God's asking you to do that. Maybe you've been coming to this church, but you haven't been tithing. You haven't been investing. Maybe today's the day you go, you know what? I, I want to support with my finances too. I, I want to support so that there's more moments for the next generation on Wednesday nights so that we can keep reaching more and more students, so that we can keep serving our city, so that we can keep winning the loss for Jesus. I'm, I'm going to build that boat. There's, there's so many different boats. I don't have time to go through all of them, but I know that God's called you to build a boat. And the boat's much bigger than you think. I'd like to end with a, a story of um, a boat that's really important to my family and I. Uh, I have a little sister, and she's 21 years old. Um, her name is Carson. And uh, since Carson was 13 years old, she has been leading multiple missions trips to Nicaragua a year. Um, she taught herself Spanish when she was 12, and she started leading trips of 60 to 80 people, like she's the leader of the trip since she was 13, okay? I thought I loved Jesus, and then I would have to hear about that, okay? <laughs> and so um, when she was a senior in high school, she felt like the boat that God called her to build was to be a full-time missionary to Nicaragua, and a part of this calling, a, a part of this boat that God was asking her to build, she wanted to go to Emmanuel College um, in Georgia, where we live, where she would get to get a, uh, a missions degree from Emmanuel College. They have an amazing missions program there. And so she tells my parents, she says, hey, I feel like God is calling me to be a, be a missionary to Nicaragua, but first I feel like he's calling me to go to Emmanuel College. So my parents are like, great, this is so exciting. This is amazing. You love Jesus so much more than your brother. Let's go online and let's figure out 
how much money Emmanuel College is. So they look it up, and um, Emmanuel College is $40,000 a year. And so my parents said, are you sure that you've heard from God? Because my parents are pastors, and so we're blessed. We are blessed, but sometimes we walk by the pond and ducks throw bread at us. You know what I mean? But we're blessed. But like $40,000 a year is probably not going to fly on a pastor's salary, right? So my dad, my dad said to my sister, she, he said, hey, Carson, we're believing that God's going to provide, okay? Like, but you're going to have to get scholarship money because we can't afford this. So if you get scholarship money, you can go to Emmanuel. If you don't, we're going to have to find out something else. Carson, okay, we're good. God's got me. We're good. Well, it'll be fine. Well, we get to the end of the year, end of our senior year, zero dollars have come in for scholarships. And my parents, they sat Carson down at the dinner table. They said, Carson, there's no money. You're going to have to go to a, a school that is a little bit cheaper. They start telling her she's got to come up with a plan B. And my little sister starts crying at the dinner table. She said, Mom, Dad, my whole life you've told me to have faith in a God who can build things that I can't. And now I'm trying to do that, and you're telling me not to. My parents were like, do we ground her? <laughs> my sister asked if she could be excused from the dinner table. She goes upstairs. My parents tell the story that they could hear her crying in her, in her room. She's upstairs just weeping. She starts singing the song that they're playing behind me right now. We sang it earlier, Waymaker. Starts singing Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Dark. My God, that is who you are. She just started singing it over and over and over again. And my parents downstairs, they push their plates to the center of the table and they start singing it over and over and over. Well, the next day, just so happened to be college visitation day at Emmanuel College. My parents are like, we don't know if we should take her or not. Like, are we, like, what are we doing? Are we getting her hopes up? They take her to Emmanuel College Visitation. While she's on the campus, a man comes running out of his office. He says, hey, is your name Carson? Carson says, yeah, that's me. He says, will you follow me? The man takes Carson and my dad back to his office. Ends up being the president of Emmanuel College. They're sitting in his office making small talk. And he looks across the table at my sister and he goes, Carson, this is going to sound really crazy. But last night at dinner time, we got a phone call from one of our biggest givers. And he said that the Holy Spirit spoke to him and his wife at their dinner table and told him to pay for four years of a missionary to a Spanish-speaking country. He said, is that description fit you? My sister looked at my dad. She said, I told you. <laughs> this is what I know. That even when we can't see it, he's working. Even when we can't feel it, he's working. If he's called you to build a boat, that when you pick up the hammer and start to build, when you say, I will be faithful with the little and the big. If you're looking for me, I'm over here being faithful that God does the heavy lifting. If you feel like there's a weapon that's pointed at you this morning, Isaiah 54, 17 says that no weapon formed against me will prosper. If you feel like you're surrounded and you can't build any longer, Exodus 14, 14 says you don't 
don't have to fight the battle. The Lord will fight for you. If you feel like what is against you is more than what's inside you, let me remind you that Romans 8.31 says that if God is for me, who can be against me? The boat is going to get built, not by my power, not by your power, but by the power of a God who is faithful to deliver on his promises. So will you build the boat? I'm out of time. I want to do something. Will you stand with me all over this room? If you're here and you say, I want to commit to a position of faithfulness faithfulness this morning, will you just close your eyes and stretch your hands this way? I'm committing to building the boat. If that's you, will you just lift your hand? Only you know what the boat is. There's hands going up all over this room. This is amazing. Boats of marriage, boats of relationships, boats of of Zoe Church, boats of of serving on teams, boats of of reaching lost co-workers, boats of starting Bible studies, boats of, uh, of joining the worship team, boats all over this room today, God. I thank you for every single person who's committing to being faithful, God. We're not seeking opportunities that we can get from man. We're seeking our assignment that only comes from you, God. And we are going to be people, a generation, a group of people, Lord, who commits to being faithful to what you've called us to, Lord. I believe every single person in this room, we're going to get to the end of our life. And people are going to say they did what God asked them to do. They were faithful with little. They were faithful with much. And look what God God was able to do through their life, through their family, through their church, Lord. We give you the honor for it. We give you the praise for it. And everybody said, amen.